Like, surely he wants to be somewhere. Yeah, I doubt he wants to just stay in Charlotte. And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Thursday, February 8th. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We are brought to you by Bet365, and we have seven games ahead of us. But honestly, does it even matter? It's the trade deadline day. I cannot wait to talk about whoever gets traded later today, and I will be doing that for multiple hours, which will be, will be very fun. And then we'll get to the deeper dive in live before lock with whatever new news we have to deal with. But now, Greg and I are going to break down this entire slate. So hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Follow us both on Twitter. Greg, what's up? Uh, so we, uh, we both submitted run sheets today. Uh, we are apparently we both thought we were hosting. I am listed as the host in the in the schedule, by the way. You weren't. I'm are you I haven't changed it this morning. The only reason I know that is because when I built my calendar for the week on Monday, you were the host yesterday. And then I, I made a note in my calendar next to your name with an A in brackets to notate that you were the analyst. Interesting. I don't know yeah. why that would be the case. I did have to change stuff around because Al Walfi had to take the uh, morning off because his daughter had a doctor's appointment. It was originally going to be last Thursday. Then he had to change it, and it was this Thursday instead. So I don't remember which day I changed it, but that could have that could have been uh, what the issue was. Let's see. I'm looking at. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm retroactively going back to Monday's schedule, 9:49 p.m. Yeah, Monday you made some sort uh, of change. Monday, it certainly could have been still uh, you as the host. But at some point, I changed it to myself. Don't know when it was, though. Had I known, I would have been very happy. I would have done none of that shit <laughs> and sat in the analyst seat. But that's fine. Let's see. Monday. Ooh. I am wrong. That oh. one I am listed as the host. Look at Is that. It Sunday? When did you make the change? That's the real curious moment I'd have for to me. go through. Or I'm just wrong and I'm an idiot and I looked at the wrong day regardless. Yeah, it would. Ha it, so it's whenever I'd have to go through my DMs with Lawfy because it's, it's whenever when Lawfy messaged me and huh. said that he had to change the Thursdays that he needed off. Yeah, whatever day I did this, that shit was already changed. So I'm wrong. You're right. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'll take any wins that I could get with that in mind. I'm steering the ship from here, motherfuckers. It's my time now because <laughs> I updated the schedule uh, correctly or incorrectly. Something happened, and now it's a uh, it's time for me to take over. So. Uh, Guys, welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. As you're watching, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're sponsored by Bet365 today. We have a great bonus offer going on, because especially if you guys live in Indiana or if you live in Arizona, all you have to do to get $150 in bonus bets from BetMGM is you sign up using the link we have below. You place a $5 bet on anything. You can bet on the Super Bowl. You can bet on the NBA today. You could bet on whatever other weird sports are going on. $5 bet. Doesn't matter if it wins or loses. They're going to give you $150 in bonus bets. You sign up using our link below and you live in Indiana or Arizona. So take advantage of that offer if you guys have not already. Josh Engelman, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, I just whatever <laughs> I did, I just did that shit way wrong. So fine by me. Yeah, things are good. Um, finished in like the like 25th or something last night in the fadeaway, but still like 40 points off of whatever the hell that score was that won. Just absolutely massive. Uh, weird day, weird slate. Go not don't go De'Aaron Fox, I guess. What is up with that? Like, is he I feel like every game now he's just not any good. 
Uh, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch from in his defense, though. He had a nearly impossible matchup against the Detroit Pistons uh, third string players. And yeah. also last night was dominated by value from the Detroit Pistons. So if you left yourself a ton of swappability for the late night, you probably did fairly well because we saw guys like Killian Hayes started crushed. Uh, Azur Thompson, who already a lot of us were playing a lot of, he crushed last night. We also saw Alec Burks off the bench, massive game because we saw the Pistons, they traded away Kevin Knox. And then also in addition to that, we saw Kate Cunningham ruled out yesterday. Bogdanovich was ruled out. So all kinds of value opened up for Detroit. And I unfortunately just didn't have enough spaces in my lineups to get to as much Detroit as I wanted to. I thought it wasn't going to be an issue for me. And then I was trying to swap my lineups like, oh, this is a little bit problematic. I'm not able to get to all the Detroit guys I wanted to. And it uh, unfortunately kind of did me in last night. But we've got today, we've got the trade deadline. Josh is going to be doing a trade deadline show this afternoon at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Right, Josh? Uh, No later than 1.30. I tried to put that in the tweet. Like, if 12.45 rolls around and some blockbuster happens, I'm just firing it up and going live at that point in time, and we're just diving into it. So it won't be any later than 1.30. But the moment we start getting anything of relevance Anytime like after 1230, just be ready that it's just going to go live. I'm going all the way up until three and then a little bit after it for any news that trickles in. Because it usually takes about 15, 20 minutes before we know what really is done. But once it picks up, that's when I'm going live. All right. And let's start talking about today's slate, which definitely could be impacted by the trade deadline. It's all the more reason also you guys should be checking out Josh's content for the trade deadline show because... It doesn't seem like it's going to be a massively active deadline, but you never know. There could be trades that are unexpected that go down. There could be trades that really do impact tonight's slate. There are nine games. Only seven of them are included on FanDuel and DraftKings. And where we're going to be opening here is with the Golden State Warriors on the road against the Indiana Pacers in a game with an insane total. Josh, 249 and a half points. There is nobody new on the injury report for the Golden State Warriors. We've got Chris Paul and Gary Payton who remain out. So the Warriors are a team here who their core guys, Curry, Green, Clay, they're all going to be out there and healthy today. This is a game that has the highest total on the slate by a very wide margin. So with that in mind, is anything standing out to you from Golden State, Josh? That is a question that I will absolutely answer once I export these lineups, get them into my sheet, and um, get an idea of what I'm getting to. I didn't have that ready because my expectation was I was going to say, hey, Greg, what do you like in this first game? (laughs) And I didn't have to be ready. So uh, caught up a little bit in my own errors, evidently. But guys, let's make a note of this. Thursday, February 8th. This might be the first time on a show in six years that I've ever admitted that I was wrong. So let's (laughs) let's, let's write that down. Let's let's make a note of this. This is not something that is going to happen all that frequently. Because one, I'm just never wrong. But two... I don't like saying it even if I am. If I am wrong, I'm going to hide that shit as much as I possibly can. Now, I think that I have uh, filibustered here long enough to get my crunch in here. I'm going to re- I'm going to refresh this and find out that I have like 37% Thanasis Santatacumbo or something and realize <laughs> everything that I'm trying to do isn't worth it. But for Golden State, yeah, 250 total, massive spot. They are on the back to back and it's weird they don't really grade out all that well. Um, We've got 12% ownership coming into Draymond. I'm going to say right now, let's get yourself some Draymond on the prize pick side. He is one of my prize picks plays for today's card. So I like him on the prize pick streets. Same exact 
since this isn't a prize pick show, same exact over under on points, rebounds, and assists as Ben Simmons has today. I took one over, one under. I'll let you figure out what's going on there. But uh, for Golden State, it you wish that they would look a little bit better. But Draymond got to 12% optimal, 12% owned. It's single digits on both sides of optimal rate and ownership for Golden State. I don't, you, you wanted to see them be really interesting plays today based on this matchup, but it looks like the pricing on the Warriors is really efficient and it's not efficient on Orlando or Brooklyn or New York and who the hell knows what we're doing with Memphis and Chicago today based on the trade deadline and things like that. So I don't really have much from Golden State, but I think if you are looking at these guys, you're paying attention to Draymond first. I think you're paying attention to Clay once again at 5,800, who had a solid game yesterday. And then Steph is always a dude that you're happy to click on if you want to go that direction. But he's usually just a, a GPP pivot. Those are the only three guys that I find even remotely interesting. Like Kaminga up to 7,300. That's a big price tag. Yep. And... Kaminga is somebody who I do think is drastically improved from earlier in the season and also from previous years, but there was a lot of what he was doing that was just simply not sustainable. When he had that really hot stretch, I think he had a, like a seven or eight game stretch where he was crushing in DFS every night. He was super chalky, but he also shot 56% from a three. If I remember correctly over that stretch, that was something that was always going to regress. And now if you look at Kaminga over the last four games, he's shooting 29% from three. Now the point here isn't to just take a small sample size and say like, oh, now he's not shooting the ball well, but rather that it just kind of balancing out. And this is a guy who's not the best three-point shooter in the world. And a lot of his value came from a couple of things. He was thrust into the starting lineup. He was playing bigger minutes. And then in addition to that, he was shooting unsustainably well when his price was at a floor. So Kaminga is now priced at a point where it's probably a little bit too high. It's a great matchup, but I agree with you, Josh. It's a game that has an insanely high total, and there's just nothing that looks all that good from the Warriors' side of the game. And it is quite scary because it's a game that looks like the we, we could see it being like a 130-120 game, and still nothing really is showing up in double digits in my lineups other than Draymond Green. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there, which is kind of a bummer. Maybe Golden State will do something today. Like, maybe Wiggins gets traded, and... You know, we have a different sort of rotation today and we can get to Golden State. But other than that, doesn't seem like we're going to be getting there. It really doesn't seem like we're going to be getting to the Indiana side of this one either. I'm going to transition that one over directly to the Pacers right now. But it's kind of the exact same scenario. Miles Turner gets to 12% optimal, 12% ownership. That's basically he's playing the role of Draymond Green for the Pacers. Um, and then it's, you know, single digit ownership, ownership, single digit optimal rates across the board. We are going to wait on some you know, Q tag news out there. Halliburton is going to continue to maintain his Q tag. I would imagine for the rest of the year at this point, put him on the LeBron James, Anthony Davis plan. You've got Matherin with the Q tag. He missed last time out. Jalen Smith also with the Q tag. He seems to have it a lot. Maybe if you get those guys out, it changes things. I want to pitch this one to you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any interest in $8,600 Halliburton? Yes. And here's where I think there's kind of a sneaky amount of upside in Halliburton. I know that they're leaving that Q tag on him and, those games where he was playing 21, 20 minutes, they were bullshit. That was them manipulating the minimums game played to try to make sure that Halliburton still remains alive to be able to be on an all-NBA team this year. I don't think there's any point where they were looking at this and there was any kind of strategic reason that he was playing 20 or 21 minutes. I don't think they were trying to build him up. It was just, hey, we think he could handle these minutes right now. 
And we want to make sure that we do what we can to keep him eligible for those all NBA teams. But he played 29 minutes last game. And that was after we saw four games of 20 minutes, 21 minutes, 21 minutes, 22 minutes. I don't think that he plays 36, but I do think we see him get over 30 minutes considering he played 29 last game. And I'm not exactly sure how the field is going to react to him later on the day, but if he's truly just not going to be somebody the field gets to, then he is massively interesting to me at this cheap price point because I do think that we see right around 30 minutes from him. Yeah, I went 28 and I got to 10% of him. And in theory, you know, I think that we could bump that up a little bit more. But I don't really see much else here for the Pacers that I'm going to be getting to. You know, if you get any Siakam, I think that's fine. Even Neesmith, consider like any starter works. But for a game with a 250 total, it is way less appealing than I thought it would be. Yeah, and just keep an eye on that injury report, guys. We got Matherin questionable, Jalen Smith questionable. Other guys off the bench are questionable that don't really matter, like Isaiah Wong is questionable, Kendall Brown is questionable, guys who don't normally play. But if Jalen Smith and Matherin are both out, that could potentially open up some kind of fringe value on the bench. But we'll see what ends up happening with that injury report later on in the day. I think Halliburton, pretty interesting contrarian option as things stand now. Moving on to the next game, we have the San Antonio Spurs on the road against the Orlando Magic. It is a tail end of a back-to-back for the San Antonio Spurs. And I've been a big Wemby guy for a while now. And I still think that there's upside in Wemby. But Josh, how concerned do you get with the minutes of him on the tail end of a back-to-back? No more concerned than I am every single night when I think he's just playing 28 or 29 and doesn't really have the the massive minute ceiling that you want him to have. I think that's going to just look pretty similar to today. I have him in for 29, same as I usually do. We have him for 20% ownership. I have him in 4% of my lineups. It really just looks exactly like it did yesterday. Uh, really terrible matchup to uh, big time pace down spot against Orlando. Uh, their defense is exceptional. Um I'm I'm likely not going to have much of San Antonio here. I have a couple shares of Wemby, a couple shares of Vassell. I don't really see the path to getting to much else here. Maybe a little bit of $5,600 Jeremy Sohan. He's been playing pretty well as of late, fantasy point per minute. But I, I just think there are better spots and better outlooks elsewhere, including the opposite side of this game. Yeah, I uh, typically am playing a lot of Wemby. Not quite as much today. Uh, one thing we did see yesterday is, I think this was probably because the game was a tail end of a back-to-back, but it was a 12-point game with a couple minutes left, and the Spurs just took Wemby out, which I think was definitely an effort to manage his minutes, considering they knew they were playing today. I think he probably would have gotten to the 30 minutes had that game been closer, but uh, it, it wasn't, and that's something that always comes into play with the San Antonio Spurs. And it's definitely something I'm concerned about today as well, because it's not like yesterday's game was a blowout. It was just not realistic for them to win. We got to the end of the game and they're just like, all right, we're playing tomorrow. Starters come off the court. Now today, the game is a 10 and a half point spread. If this is another spot where the game is like a 10 point game, they just played yesterday and there's a couple minutes left. I don't think that Wemby would still be on the court, which is definitely a little bit of a concern for me. So nothing really of interest to me from the Spurs side either, Josh, but you did say you're interested in Orlando. So what from that side of the game is appealing to you? Everything, apparently. These guys are just, one, they're getting an amazing spot. 24th ranked defense in the Spurs, fourth in pace. And I feel like like all of these guys are just a couple hundred dollars cheaper than we're used to. We have 20% ownership coming into Bancaro, Wagner, Suggs, and Wendell Carter Jr., along with Markel Fultz. And we're still getting another 10% coming into John Isaac. I think Fultz looks really good at 4,500. Now he's been 0.9 fantasy points per minute, basically since he's been back. 
even that's probably not all that bad of a rate given that price tag and given that matchup. I have a ton of these guys though. 2x the field on Suggs, close to 2x on Wendell Carter Jr. I'm I've got 25% of Bancaro. I'm a little light on Franz Wagner, but I would certainly take more. And then Fultz is the guy I'm taking a big stand on. You get John Isaacs, $3,600 power forward center value. In this matchup, you don't get to Orlando a lot, but the, the public is getting there. We do have some negative leverage on Bancaro, Suggs, and Wendell Carter Jr., but they're all still 15% optimal guys. It's not like it's 5% to 20% ownership. Like These guys are still pretty popular options. Suggs is neutral. Markel Fultz is a little bit negative as well, but everybody that I'm naming is also double digits in optimal rate. I love getting to Orlando. I will likely have... This will be probably... One, let's let's see where I have it right now. It is my most exposed team right now, but um the Knicks are pretty close. Yeah, there are, there's definitely some aspects. So I, overall, I'm with you. Orlando is the team I get the most of right now. There are yeah. some aspects of this team that I could definitely see going by the wayside later on in the day. I'd be very surprised if a good amount more value doesn't open up later for a couple of reasons. We've got the trade deadline today, and there's also just a shit ton of names on the injury report. So Jonathan Isaac right now does look like a pretty interesting salary-saving play at the moment, yeah. but he's somebody who I would be pretty surprised if he still sticks in my lineups later. You know, right now, we got him project for 19.4 fantasy points. He's relatively cheap, not the much value available to us. His ownership also isn't all that high. So he ends up in a quarter of my lineups, but not something I would yeah. think would end up being the case later on in the day. No, I would guess that goes away. Unless Orlando trades two dudes, yeah. like then I don't I would expect John Isaac to just get usurped by some other team that is moving somebody into a rotation that wasn't there. Anything else you have to talk about from the Orlando Magic? No, it really is just sort of every every main dude is pretty important today for the Magic in this spot. Uh, and right, could look so, better too. Like who knows what San Antonio looks like coming out of this deadline. They could, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like Keldon Johnson wasn't on this team by the end of today. Yeah. Let's see who are. So Keldon Johnson, I'd say is there, there's a handful of players that I don't think makes sense to stay here. Keldon Johnson, uh, Zach Collins. I don't really think that Zach Collins would have actual value to a contender as a backup center. I don't know what the Spurs are getting out of him by playing him, you know, like 18 minutes per night. So I they just resigned him too. Yeah, and he, I, I would think that he's somebody who would make a lot of sense to be going to a team that's actually looking to compete. Uh, Keldon Johnson, especially because they're bringing him off the bench, not really maximizing his minutes. I could see him going somewhere else to be a bench piece. Guys like Doug McDermott, um, yeah. Chetty Osman, I would say maybe, but I don't know if anybody would really be interested in him. But a team that needs shooting, Doug McDermott could be of interest. And while guys like this don't play a ton of minutes for this team right now, Zach Collins, Doug McDermott, if most of them end up getting moved for second round picks or something like that, well, then you have to start filling in the end of the Spurs rotation or maybe even saying like, hey, if they're trade all these guys, maybe it means that Jeremy Sokan has to play 36 minutes. So I see what you're saying. There's there's definite scenarios where we see guys traded from the Spurs that would end up creating value. I mean, Trey Jones could get traded and then all of a sudden we see, you know, like Blake Wesley starting a point guard again. Yeah. I think McDermott getting, not that he's going to matter for anything, but moving his 13.7 million this year, free unrestricted free agent next year, you can take on more salary for next year. If you're the Spurs, trade him out, potentially bring a first back in, in that sort of deal where it's not that you're getting a first for Doug McDermott, you're getting a first for taking on additional salary in the future for some other team. Because even if San Antonio wants to be a, a player in free agency, like they they can make that happen pretty easily with any sort of deal they want. 
Yeah, and that's my preferred way for tanking teams. And yeah. the Spurs, maybe I wouldn't even consider them tanking. They're just rebuilding. They just drafted Wemby. Yeah. You know, they're trying to win every day. They just don't really have the talent other than Wemby to do it at the moment. But uh, this is a team that is rebuilding, not quite tanking. But teams that are in that kind of state, I love them to use their available cap space to take on bad contracts and draft picks because what else are you doing with the draft space, right? You're signing like Clay Thompson in the offseason or something. It doesn't make right. any sense, so. I do think that that is a, a reasonable way for them to use their salary cap budget there. Uh, anything else you want to add from this game? I don't think so. All right. So let's go to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road against the Brooklyn Nets. And as of right now, we do have Evan Mobley in our projections, Josh. I don't know that he's going to play, though. We saw Evan Mobley miss a whole bunch of time due to injury. And now it's the tail end of a back-to-back. This seems like a prime rest spot for Evan Mobley, in my opinion. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, he did sit on the 1st of February on their back-to-back. Um, he could. Like, it, it makes sense that he would. At some point in time, he'll just stop sitting those back-to-backs. And if you tell me that, like, he's playing, but he's just still only playing, like, 24 to 26 minutes, then I can see him still playing today. But it is one that I would keep my eye on for sure. If he wasn't playing such limited minutes right now, then I would probably feel a little bit different about it. But it would seem weird to me if they're like, hey, he plays 25 minutes and we're still playing him in back-to-backs. I think it would kind of be like a slow ramp up where I would say they probably sit him today. The game after this, he probably gets close to 30 minutes. And I think that's probably going to be to his workload is leading up to the All-Star break. And I think coming out of the All-Star break, we get a full go Evan Mobley. For now, though, my expectation is that he's going to rest today. It's not reflected in our projections at the moment. There's nothing on the injury report that would suggest that. I'm just taking a best educated guess that I don't think Evan Mobley is going to play today. But uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Josh, does anything stand out to you at the moment where we are projecting Mobley in? Nope. Uh, 11% ownership to Jared Allen, 9% optimal. I was light on Jared Allen yesterday. I will likely be light on him again today. Now, if Mobley is out, I'm, there's probably a little bit of a bump that comes in and I'll, I'll be more interested. But I don't have a single share of a Cleveland Cavalier right now. That is the only team on today's slate that I don't have anybody for. As always, uh, if you want to roster Donovan Mitchell, please feel free to do so. Yeah, I think the issue I'm going to run into with Donovan Mitchell is just, once again, lots of players on the injury report, trade deadline. It's going to end up being a stars and scrub slate where it's really easy to find a handful of punt plays and pay up for... Buddy Heald did the Sixers. That's interesting. Where are they... Oh, so let's see. It's happening. I'm going live now. Beat it. You can finish this show. <laughs> Show's over. Sorry to cut you off, but like that's uh, like we I mean, talked about Indy already. Philly not on this slate. Yeah. Um, I'm just really quickly going over. So, you know, where that's cork. That's got to be cork moss. And where the buddy heel trade is potentially really relevant today. If we now have Matherin and Jalen Smith out, then yeah. things start to get really interesting for the Pacers rotation. Uh, you know, it'd be hard for us to go through all of it and cover the rest of the games. We'll be hitting on it more later on in the day. And there's also a lot of different permutations of this. But yeah, if, if Matherin and Jalen Smith end up sitting now, is there anybody that just at first glance you'd notice would end up becoming a potentially viable value option here? I'm going to guess that that's going to be Covington and Korkmaz going back for Buddy Heald, but we shall see. Um, I guess we're going to look at like Ben Shepard. If Matherin ends up out there and we start slotting, I mean, Nemhard obviously becomes it. He's down to 4,700. You're probably going to have to get like 28 minutes out of him if we would somehow lose 
Matherin as well. Um, McConnell is 4,600. Like both he and Nemhard start to look like guys you can get to if you take out both Matherin and Heald. Yeah. Oh, we know Heald is Perkon Cork. Oh, it's Marcus Morris, not Covington. I didn't think they would get rid of Morris because I just like that fit better. They both have very comparable contracts. Morris is at 17. Covington was at 11. But uh, can we can we clap it up here? Fort Con Corkmoss. He's been looking for this trade for like four years. Congratulations <laughs> is, for finally getting shipped true. out. I forgot. If you go ahead and Google Furcon Corkmoss request trade, he's been, he has requested a trade every year for forever. And not only has he not gotten a trade, the 76ers have just kept him and not played him the entire time. He's just been in purgatory at the end of the bench. And every once yeah. in a while, like once every three months, there's a random Furcon Corkmoss game where we'll just go nuts in garbage time. Look at him. He's getting himself on a new team where he also won't play. That is a mass i mean i assume those three seconds as well is kind of nuts there we go first trade of the day first trade i can see morris day. getting rerouted didn't we care about marcus morris to more they would want him no but 17 million dollar expiring like i think you i think the pacers could basically the same just same way we, we just talked about doug mcdermott like you could use that to flip him back out for something and bring in another guy. If you're the Pacers, because uh, there's no real utility to having Morris at that point, unless you want to try to bring, like they're not going to be using any cap space in the summer or anything at this point. So could they huh. make salaries match to get a uh, DeJounte Murray? The Pacers. Yeah. So I don't think Morris would be able to be aggregated because of the trade at that point. Um, those salaries have to be pretty close, though. Murray is at oh yeah, I mean it's basically the exact same salary. Maybe Dejounte Murray is at like seventeen and change, and so is Morris. So they wouldn't have to aggregate for that one. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe more. Maybe more moves coming in Indiana. But getting back to tonight's slate, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets side of things against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, <laughs> yeah. nobody on the injury report for the Nets outside of uh, Dorian Finney. Oh, actually, I, I should uh, uh, rephrase this. Nobody questionable on the injury report for the Nets, but we do have players who are notable that are ruled out, including Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, Lonnie Walker, who was massively popular the other day. Looked like it was going to be a pretty good spot for him. And in our Discord, people were like, hey, how come Lonnie Walker isn't playing? He got one four-minute rotation in the first quarter of the Nets last game, didn't come back and ended up, he pulled a hamstring in that four minutes. So Nets are going to be a little bit shorthanded here, Josh. Is there anything that is standing out to you and what is a fairly difficult matchup against the Cavs? Yeah, I have a ton of these guys and I don't know why they're not getting more ownership. It doesn't, like, I get that the matchup isn't great, but we just saw this team mm -hmm. two nights ago play a eight-man rotation and one of those guys was Jalen Wilson who, like, doesn't normally play. I have 36% of Spencer Dinwiddie. He's 5,200. He's playing like 32 plus minutes. Is he good on a per minute basis? No, but like if he's playing 30 something minutes a night, he looks interesting. We have him with positive leverage. I've got Royce O'Neal for 30 minutes. I have 38% of him at 7% ownership. He's 4,500. Played north of 30 off the bench last time out when they started Simmons. I've got 18% of Bridges who continues to just look good. That. I'll happily play Jalen Wilson if he has to be a part of this rotation at no ownership, 3,100 small forward. Give me Cam Thomas, who's playing 35 minutes a night at 33% usage. 
1.1 fantasy points per minute. Claxton is obviously just fine all the time and also playing big minutes. DSJ played 32 nights ago, didn't get her two games ago, didn't really get that last time out. But, you know, if he plays 22, 24 minutes, no reason he can't get to him at 4,200. I think Brooklyn looks way better than what we're showing in the ownership. It's going to be a condensed rotation, right? They don't have that many guys they're going to go to. And also, I would not be at all. So actually, not only would I not be surprised, I would be surprised if they didn't make trades there. I don't think Royce O'Neal is going to be on this team by the end of the day. Like, what do they need guys like Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith for? DFS is already out, but I think Royce O'Neal is probably on his way out the door as well. So this is Spencer Dinwiddie, another guy who could potentially be traded by the Nets. I don't know if anybody wants him at this point. We saw a uh, back and forth between a uh, Nets fan account and Spencer Dinwiddie on Twitter the other day that kind of caught my eye where somebody was reporting that the Nets would consider buying out Spencer Dinwiddie and Dinwiddie was saying like, Hey, I know the Nets fans hate me right now because I've been playing terribly, but uh, I guarantee you that I'm not going to be taking a buyout, something along those lines that Spencer Dinwiddie said. But yeah, I think this Nets team, which is already shorthand is going to look even more shorthanded by the end of the day. Dennis Smith Jr. Is the player that I think stands to benefit the most from players being out in potential trades. If it's like, you know, Dinwiddie and Royce O'Neal that end up getting moved. So we're going to need a little bit more information on the Nets, but yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a team that's good to find contrarian plays from because of how shorthanded they are. Yeah, it's as I look at this, I'm going to end up having a lot of Brooklyn. And that's even if they don't trade anybody. Anything else you want to talk about from the Nets? Not really. I just, I like, I legitimately like two, four, seven dudes. From, from your lips to God's ears, Josh. Dallas Mavericks <laughs> taking on the New York Knicks in the next game. And uh, here's where Luka Doncic could really end up becoming a really strong option on the slate is the more value that opens up because nothing's going to change about Luca himself. As of right now, I don't really get to Luca. I don't really get to anything from the Dallas Mavericks. But if we start to see a ton of value open up and a lot of cheap options become in play as a as punts, then Luca becomes more viable. As of right now, nothing looks all that great for me from Dallas. Maxi Kleba is listed as questionable on the injury report. But let's see how many players get traded. The more value options there are, the more Luca just becomes a guy who's in play because he's a payup option that exists. I we have five percent ownership to Luca, seven to Kyrie. I have four and four for both of these guys. Twelve K for Luca is a really big price tag, especially given eleven six Giannis is on this slate, looking to me like a better option than Luca is, and you're seeing that in the ownership. Assuming those two dudes are in, I will likely not have much at all here of Dallas. Knicks are 29th in pace, 6th in defense, so not even a really good matchup, even with everybody that's out. This is still a more defensively oriented, slow team. So, you know, you get Luka, you get Kyrie in a lineup. You're not mad about it. You are certainly not playing anybody else. Yeah, and uh, Maxi Kleba being out, that wouldn't really open up any kind of real significant value, in my opinion, because sure, like Dwight Powell could start and play bigger minutes, but then you also got, you know, like does Rashawn Holmes enter the rotation? Just other kind of crappy fantasy producers that end up picking up bigger minutes. So uh, really Dallas, how much interest I have in them is nothing to do with Dallas. It's what other teams make trades, open up value, and make it easier to pay up to Luka. Anything else you want to talk about from the Dallas side? If not, we've got a, a tricky Knicks situation. The Knicks are another team that I'm going to be jamming. So let's just go straight to them. So not only do the Knicks look great right now, Jalen Brunson is questionable. Jericho Sims is questionable. Quentin Grimes is out. Mitchell Robinson, he's been out for forever. OG Ananobi's out for another game. Julius Randle's out until after the All-Star break. So there's already a lot that looks good here. And that's 
already, assuming that Jalen Brunson plays, Josh, what the hell is going to happen here if Jalen Brunson is out? Uh, we're going to have 78% Miles McBride ownership <laughs> and the rest of these guys are also going to be 20 to 30% owned. I mean, that's what we're seeing right now. 10 to 15 on Precious, uh, Hartenstein and McBride already into the 20 to 25 range for Brunson, DiVincenzo and Hart. They're, these guys are all playing like 38 minutes a night unless they're the non-real people in the rotation like Jericho Sims. Uh, th this is just unload. I have 28% of DiVincenzo. Kelly Olenek and O'Shea Akbaji to Toronto for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter, and a 2024 first. Well, I thought Akbaji was going to start today for Fontecchio, but they're just trading everybody that plays the three, I guess. Um, I like 28% DiVincenzo, Hartenstein, Bronson, 24 of McBride, 38 of Precious, 20 of Josh Hart. I'm just getting like 20 to 25% of this whole Knicks team because what else would you do? Nobody else plays. Yeah, and... We're going to need more information here because obviously Brunson being questionable is so massive for the Knicks, especially considering the current makeup of their team. I think Malachi Flynn comes into play if Brunson's out. Miles McBride, like you mentioned, if Brunson's out, Miles McBride is the best value play on the slate. You know, who knows what happens with yeah. other trades, but I feel pretty confident saying if Brunson doesn't play, kind of regardless of other trades that go down, McBride is likely going to be the best overall value option on the slate. Uh, also, getting myself to a ton of Isaiah Hardenstein now. Precious Sachua. Miles McBride's already showing up in laps. Josh Hart would look even better if Brunson's out. I know DiVincenzo's been priced up, but you look at what his minutes and production been like and how Tibbs runs his rotations. If Brunson and Sims are out, DiVincenzo, Achua, Josh Hart, these guys are all playing, and Miles McBride as well, probably all playing north of 40 minutes because Tom Thibodeau plays every single game like it's Game 7 of the NBA Championship. Like, uh, it's going to be like, even I don't want to have to play Malachi Flynn today. So can, can <laughs> Brunson just be in? Like, I just, I don't want that experience in my life. I think, yeah, I think it could end up happening. I'm also just kind of looking over this trade and trying to figure out what we're going to do with the uh, jazz. In uh, a, Taylor Hendricks season today, this. baby. Yeah. It's, it's going to be something once we get to the jazz uh, Knicks, yeah, Knicks are a tremendous value spot. We're going to have to keep an eye on the Brunson and Jericho Sims news. Anything else to add here other than everything from New York is probably going to look pretty good? Yeah, everything from New York looks great right now and might look even greater in a couple hours. I don't get this Raptors jazz trade is weird to me. Yeah, so uh, oh, we'll talk on it more in a couple of games because we're going to get to the yeah. Utah Jazz and then it's going to be a pretty relevant talking point. So yeah, two games are going to be at the uh, Utah Jazz. Minnesota Timberwolves on the road against the Milwaukee Bucks and one thing that I'm starting to sense is going to be the case for this slate, Josh. There are going to be teams that we have all of the exposure to, and then there's going to be teams who are just like, yeah, I'm getting all this exposure to other teams, therefore nothing really stands out. There's individual guys I get some exposure to from Minnesota, you know, a couple shares of Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley. But I think this team almost entirely is going to fall by the wayside as more injury news comes out. We're getting a trickle of ownership for these guys, which I do think is not what I expected. Uh, I don't know. Like, I didn't anticipate a bunch of love in this one, and it, it appears it is coming in. Do you have any, like, do you like anybody here? Not really. 
So like, there's a couple of guys who show up in a couple of my lineups, but I'm underweight to each individual player on the team. Like, I don't understand why the field is playing Mike Conley as much as they are. I don't understand. It's, it's why, every like, morning, dude. He's he's 15 <laughs> to 20 percent owned every single morning, and then he's not at the end of the day. I think it's just like his price is in that wheelhouse when you don't have value that he immediately is the guy that shows up. Yeah, and then same thing with like Nas Reed. I mean, whatever, he's fine. Uh, two of my bigger GPP wins of the season did have Nas Reed in lineup, so I, I do like him. But and uh, am I going to play Nas Reed as a cheap option over something like Miles McBride later in the day? No, most likely not. So there's some ownership coming to the Timberwolves players. I'm underway to all of them individually, and that's only going to become more more the case as more value opens up. So I don't really like anything from Minnesota relative to what their ownerships are. I have 30% Nas Reed right now, but I think it's just a value thing. 4,200 power forward center, like pretty cost effective point per dollar play on a, a, to start the day when we don't like really have it. We do have him 11% optimal, which is basically the same as Conley and, and Kyle Anderson at this moment. I'm neutral on Conley. I have a little bit of like Nikhil Alexander Walker. I, what I'm seeing from Minnesota is that I'm just desperately grabbing their value because I don't think it exists anywhere else. And a matchup against Milwaukee is pretty good. You know, not a great defense and they play pretty fast. And injuries on the Milwaukee side of the game. Chris Middleton is out. Damian Lillard is questionable. As of right now, I view Giannis as the best payup option on the slate. And if Damian Lillard gets ruled out, then you've got a scenario where Giannis will be playing no Middleton, no Damian Lillard, likely a lot of value on the slate because it's a trade deadline day. I'm going to end up at the end of the day with a ton of exposure to Giannis. I feel pretty confident in that. I'll, I'll want to. Um, the, the status of Dame will certainly be very important here. Uh, 11-6 for Giannis, power forward center. We have him 12% owned, 16% optimal. I have one fantasy point less than we do. I only got to 10%. I only have a 10% of Lillard and of Crowder as well with no Middleton here. Now, obviously, this will probably go up if we see Dame out in this spot. I thought I would get a lot more here. I think once we have the value, then that's when you start getting the 25, 30% ownership to him and Luca when we can actually afford these guys. We just don't officially have it yet. So I'm not getting it yet. But I, it's every single piece of news that comes out that affects today's slate incrementally bumps Giannis up in terms of optimal rates and ownership. Yeah. So before we we're talking about Luca, and I said that how viable Luca is to me is going to depend on what ends up happening with other value. There's scenarios where it's going to be fairly easy to get Giannis and Luca into the same lineups, and it almost could become essential. If there's just a million value plays on the slate that keep popping up, like uh, we're going to have to do more of a deep dive into the Jazz in a couple of games here. But if there's a bunch of value from the Jazz, if there's a bunch of value from the Knicks, just where are you going to send your, where are you going to spend your excess salary? It's going to be on Giannis. It's going yeah. to be on Luca. And Giannis is the one who has the best opportunity consider that Chris Middleton's already out and Damian Lillard is questionable. So I guess the other part of this that I'll ask you, because I think this is something that's going to be relevant in the morning to a lot of people, if they can only pay up for one player today, and assuming they're choosing between Giannis or Luca, which way would you go if somebody had that amount of salary left for a utility spot? To me, it's Giannis. Um, Luca matchup is terrible. Now, he could go out there and play 42 minutes at the Mecca and you know make me look really dumb here. But I think... Now, is the matchup against Minnesota great for Giannis? No, it's certainly not. But power forward center, I like the little bit of savings that you get here. I'm not, I'm going to say it again, even though he went out and played 42 minutes in this most recent one, but he didn't the game before that. I, I'm not confident in the playing time for Luka. I just think it has a lot of variance in it, not necessarily that I think I'm right. It's just 
you see regular 36 minutes when he plays alongside Kyrie. He just gets clouded by the 42 that he dropped in uh, their most recent spot. I feel more confident for Giannis, and obviously we might have a couple more spots where we free up some... Like, if Kyrie could be out, that would be interesting, but we might get Giannis with no Dane. Yeah, and and no Middleton, which is already confirmed. Uh, Jay Crowder, he's also somebody who I view as a viable cheap piece. I think he's the most likely player to start in place of Chris Middleton tonight. Uh, does Jay Crowder do anything for you as a value piece? Is there somebody else you like to fill in the spot of Chris Middleton? Or... Is it just you think the minutes are going to be spread around? It doesn't really benefit anybody in a significant way as far as DFS is concerned. I went 30 minutes to Crowder. Um, we have 35. So we are very, very happy to get to him. I certainly could go upwards of 32, 33. He played more minutes than anybody else last time out. The problem is he is shitty. Yeah. <laughs> 0.61 fantasy points per minute over the last 30 days. He's a true talent 0.69 guy in my model. So we're talking, and it doesn't get better when you hop on the floor with Damon Giannis. Like you aren't, you're getting scraps at best. So he needs every bit of those minutes to be interesting, but I'm fine getting to him because I assume he's the key part of the rotation. It's a Doc Rivers team. He hates youth. So uh, Jay Crowder being a vet in this league is really good for his minutes. One thing I really do think we have to take into account is now that we've got a coaching change for the Bucs, Glenn Rivers taking over and uh, AJ Griffin gone, is there are going to be some rotational changes where just a different coach prefers a different player. In back-to-back games, Jay Crowder's played 40 minutes. I don't think Jay Crowder is worth playing 40 minutes. I don't think Jay Crowder's any good. doesn't matter what our opinion is, though. If Rivers is going to play this guy 40 minutes, I mean, it doesn't matter how shitty of a point from a fantasy producer is. You're going to look kind yeah. of okay. for. You can't project him for 40 minutes, but he clearly has a ceiling to play 40. He's done in back-to-back games. He does indeed. Yeah, like uh, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we get to lock, I'm more at like the 33, 34-minute range for Crowder. But he's never gonna. you're never going to look at him today and be like, whew, got to get Jay Crowder <laughs> because he's so shitty on a per-minute basis that it's really hard for him to exceed anything. And as we get more value... A lot of guys are going to be on his corner at that $4,200 price tag. All right, let's go ahead and move on. A couple games left. I'm very excited to get to the Jazz game. But before we get there, we have to talk about the Chicago Bulls and what the hell are they going to do with their starting lineup, Josh? Last game, we saw Andre Drummond start in the front court alongside Nikola Vucevic. Now the matchup certainly was something that I think probably played a role in that. And it was they played on the road against, or no, it was a home game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Game went into overtime. So I think part of it was they were matching up against Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. However, they won the game. They beat one of the the best teams in the NBA with Vooch and Drummond starting alongside each other. So I definitely think it's a possibility that we see that same starting lineup again. So do I, especially against Memphis, where it's just like, what the hell do they, like if they think that that's their best five-man rotation right now with some of these guys out, then you just play it against the shit Memphis team. It won't matter in any way. So I gave Drummond 24 minutes. I didn't really know what to do. We went straight Vooch center Drummond backup. I have 10 more minutes on Drummond. That said, he's 6,200 now. You have to project him for legitimate starter minutes for him to be like a guy you can get to. Because at 24 minutes... I'm still not getting there. You got to get him to like 27 or 28 to feel confident about it. I like the rest of this team, though. If they're on it by the end of today, I mean, this is a team that should be trading everything they don't have nailed down, and they will probably go through the deadline by not doing that because they're incompetent. Uh, Kobe White, 
for 7,500, I think will look good no matter what. I don't think he's the guy that's going to get traded if anybody does. DeMar at 7,700 is 20% owned. I'd like to get to DeMar. He might not be a bull by the end of today. Vooch looks solid enough at 7,600. Um, and then, you know, like we could work our way into Drummond, but if they trade Caruso and Drummond today or Caruso and Drummond and DeRozan, like all bets are off for what Chicago looks like at 3.30 p.m. And the reports that we've seen the last couple of days is that the Bulls are going to try to compete for a playoff spot and seemingly want to hold Pat. Now, if they get offers, they can't refuse for some of these guys. That could change their mind. Uh, but I, I do kind of get a sense that the Bulls might just be holding on to everybody. I know that people are going to say Drummond only started last game because they wanted to showcase him for a yeah, trade. So That's so Drummond stupid. Drummond has been in the league for 12 years now. If a team was undecided on their opinion on Andre Drummond. They were massively altered because he played 15 because more he started at the normal. four alongside Vooch. <laughs> yeah. If if your opinion on Andre Drummond, if, if 12 years of data wasn't enough for you, and then a team goes, oh my God, he played 12 extra minutes today, and all of a sudden he's on your radar, like that that's just awful decision making by that team. It's it, it the the reason Drummond started last game, it was because of the matchup against the Timberwolves. It wasn't because of him yeah. being traded, not traded. It's what they thought gave him the best chance to win that individual game. Was yeah. it actually what gave him the best chance? I don't know. I think this team's incredibly shitty and it doesn't really matter. But yes. they did end up winning that game. My expectation is that they go back to the Drummond and Vooch starting lineup. And if that is the case, I will add a betting angle to this. And if you guys want to sign up at Odd Shop, we've got links for it below. And you can use the promo code Greg to get yourself 20% off. If Vooch and Drummond start in the front court together, the over-under for rebounds tonight, Josh, is 11.5 for Vooch, and it's plus money on the under. I would like that under if it's Vooch and Drummond in the starting lineup together. Completely agree. Anything else you want to add about the Chicago Bulls other than that they're going to likely have some sort of weird starting lineup and to keep an eye on any potential trades? Yeah, this is this is one of the teams that you they have things that people want. Whether or not they're actually going to answer their phone today is the tricky part for all of this. But even if one of those dudes is gone, Caruso, Drummond, DeRozan, that has a ma major trickle down effect to everybody else. Let's go and talk about the other side of the game. We've got the Memphis Grizzlies who have only been running the most bizarre rotations ever as of late. I can't remember a team who at this point in the season was playing 80, the 82nd game of the season rotation. If you know where I mean, what I mean, where we've just consistently seen this team only have eight players active. Finally, though, we're going to have some normal guys out there for Memphis because Vince Williams Jr. is off the injury report. Santi Aldama is off the injury report. John Conchar is off the injury report. Derek Rose is questionable. Jaron Jackson Jr. is questionable. So it does look like we're not going to have to worry about the weird goofballs like Jemison or whatever, Evie Boyman, whatever the hell that other guy's name was. We're going to have Jaron Jackson Jr. potentially as somebody who I actually might like quite a bit as a, as a uh, payup option if he's in tonight, Josh, because you look at the players available for Memphis, Triple J is probably going to be taking a lot of shots on a slate with a lot of value. A woman, by the way. But anyway, uh, I have 52% Triple J. Like 7,900 power forward center. He's got like 33, 34% usage when all the main ball handlers aren't on the floor. He's, I love getting to Triple J today if he's in, especially against the shit Chicago team that may or may not be missing even more of their real players. Like this line is only five and a half. And if you look at this, roster for memphis you'd be very surprised to figure out how that ended up happening against the bulls i think jaron jackson is one of the best plays on today's slate we have him 22 percent optimal right now only other guy that i want to get to in this moment 
is Vince Williams, 5,800 small forward eligibility. I like the position. He plays constantly. Like you don't have to worry about his minutes getting cut for somebody else. He's like the dude right now. Um, so I have 18% of him at 8% ownership, but I think triple J is a guy that you need to prioritize today. Agreed. And that's only going to become more so as more value ends up opening up. Uh, we just have to make sure that he's going to be in tonight because he is officially listed as questionable. So we want him to play, make sure he doesn't have any restrictions or anything like that. But I'm very happy that we don't have to worry about any kind of this weird Grizzlies value where it's it's everybody's online and they're freaking out on Twitter. It's like, oh my God, can you believe that Jemison got into foul trouble a minute into the game? It's like, yeah, I, I could believe a player that we've never heard of <laughs> until three days ago isn't crushing the DFS late at 70% ownership. But there was no way to get around these Memphis guys because they only had eight players active and they're all like min price. The NBA renamed the in-season tourney. <laughs> They took this the was, uh, they took the just, UAE bag. Just total nonsense from this stupid Memphis team. But hopefully we don't have to worry about it again for another a couple months till we get to the tail end of the season. Want to move on to the final game, Josh? Yes, I do. All right, let's talk about the Utah Jazz and they made a trade, right? Yeah. So this is something that went down about 20 minutes ago while we were on the show, and it has massive implications for tonight's DFS slate because. The Utah Jazz traded away. Let's see, the trade was Kelly Olinick, Agbaji to the Raptors. The Raptors ended up trading back in return, Kier Lewis, Otto Porter Jr., and a first round pick. Uh, so, first of all, this seems like an odd use of a first round pick by the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion. I, I'm not sure which first round pick it was that they gave up. Uh, I it's going to be it like basically the last pick in the draft. Okay. First round, at least. All right. So, that's more, that is more reasonable then. But either way, for tonight's slate, what is going to be massively impactful is that the Utah Jazz now are going to be a little bit shorthanded, and there's potential for some value here. Guys like Keontae George, does he find himself into more minutes? This means Walker Kessler finally sees a more secure role because there are times where he's been kind of buried at the end of the bench. How do you see this trade shaking out for Utah? So we're obviously freeing up 20... 34, like 60 minutes from yesterday to today with Fontecchio, Bolinic, mm -hmm. and Akbaji leaving. Now, you can clearly bump up some of the guys that are still staying a little bit, but you are kind of freeing up an entire positional structure that doesn't exist. I think we start to see Markinen play uh, Gordon Hayward to OKC. I kind of like that. Assuming yeah. that that's not like any real asset going out. Sam Presti's not worried. It's going to be like seconds would be my guess. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Oh my God. I'm going to have to go live shortly. <laughs> anyway, uh, Taylor Hendricks, I think is going to start becoming a part of the Utah future rotations. And I think that's going to mean we're going to get more marketing at the three. Cause they don't really have a three any longer after that. It's probably going to like, Maybe we see a little bit of Samanich. Uh, maybe we start to see Bryce Sensabaugh finally. Trey Mann and Davis Bertans to Charlotte for Gordon Hayward. Um, I don't know if any of these guys, these new dudes will matter today because I just don't think we're going to be able to give enough minutes to be confident for bench dudes from the Jazz. I was shocked to see how much ownership and everything we have coming to Keontae George. Not that he doesn't look good, we went 27 minutes before these trades had happened. 
he didn't even play 27 actual minutes in their last game. 26.9 hasn't played 20, only played 27 once in the past month. So that felt a little lofty to me. Now I kind of disagree with that and you, you probably can give him a couple extra minutes. So we backed into it, but other than that, like, I don't know. Kelly Olynyk was the second most owned guy for the jazz before this. He's gone. Chris Dunn. I don't really expect uh, Daniel house to the Knicks. So that, just got the Sixers out of the tax. Um, Chris Dunn, I don't expect to be on the Jazz by the time today is over. So, like, he's the other guy getting value. I'm not so sure that this is going to free up enough that we care. I mean, Keontae George is going to wind up in a lot of lineups for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so for, like, for the guys that are still staying, the Keontae Georges, the Clarksons, the, like... Those guys are still going to look a little bit better. And George is absolutely stepping into what I would say, like 27, 28 minutes today. And that ownership is now justified, just in case I didn't like make that clear. Another one that I think is interesting, Chris Dunn as a value option, better value options, probably going to open up later. But Chris Dunn picks up an extra four or five minutes, something along those lines from this deal as well. Walker Kessler is going to pick up a few of Kelly Olynyk's minutes. Now, with that said, though, I, unless Walker Kessler, they just end up starting him because I do think it's potential that John Collins gets traded. John Collins, for whatever reason, every every year John Collins is on the trade block, no matter wh yeah. which team he's on. He's with Atlanta every single year. He was on the trade block. They, they weren't interested in re-signing him, and then eventually he ended up getting traded. Maybe this year John Collins will finally get traded at the trade deadline, and we have heard that the Jazz have been looking to move John Collins. If that happens, Walker Kessler becomes the guy in the front court for the Jazz to roster tonight. Uh, but considering that I do think that it's still going to be John Collins for now starting at center, that does somewhat cap the minutes upside for Walker Kessler. He does benefit a little bit from the absence of Kelly Olenek. The clear value play here to get to, though, is going to be Keontae George. Yeah, completely agree on George. And then watch out. Like Utah is going to make moves, one, to clean up anything on their books that looks negative, but they might take on additional salary. They are not married to much of this team. Like, Markinen is probably the only guy that's not going anywhere. Everybody else, but like Keontae George obviously isn't going anywhere either, but like everybody else is live to not be on the Jazz tonight. This team could look insane by the time we get to lock. Like if they trade one more dude from this rotation, then we really do have to start having conversations about whatever is stepping into the rotation. Anything else you want to talk about from Utah? If not, we could talk about the uh, very, very unappealing Phoenix Sun side of the game. Very unappealing, eh? I don't find it to be all that appealing, the Phoenix Sun side. I mean, it changes if Bradley Beal is ruled out, but at least as of right now, when I look at Phoenix, it's not like there's anything that I'm dying to get to, but they could change if Bradley Beal is ruled out. Bradley Beal is questionable to play, dealing with an ankle injury. And the biggest issue that I have with these Phoenix Suns guy when, when everybody's in between Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, is they all individually have upside but it's kind of hard to know on a day-to-day -day basis which guy might end up being. None of them end up projecting especially well. And then on a slate like today where I think there's going to be a lot of value, what ultimately ends up happening for me is I just pay up for guys like Giannis and pay up for Luka, and then I don't really get myself too much of Booker or Kevin Durant. But it seems like based on your tone, you might feel a little bit differently, Josh. So what are you seeing from the Phoenix Suns? I kind of like Booker and Durant today. Like... The matchup is fantastic. It's slowly but surely looking better. It's not you're not going to be a better team when you start hemorrhaging dudes that were in your rotation and getting rid of them. 
and they just got rid of two of their main wing dudes. Like, do I have a lot of them? No, but I have 10% of Duran. I have 10% of Booker. I'm, I'm over the field on both guys. Maybe this just expands too much and you don't feel it. But like if Beal ends up out, I, I think getting to a Booker and a Durant sub 10K today will be very easy to do. And I think they'll start to grade out a little bit better. Uh, they're like sort of my favorite pay up GPP options today to be a little bit different. I could see it from that standpoint too, especially if we get to lock and Damian Lillard's out and let's say Giannis is 50% owned, a bunch of value, maybe we get like 50% Giannis, 20% Luca, and then you're getting, I don't know, like 5% Booker, 5% Durant. I see that as a viable way to differentiate lineups. And like, I look at it like this. We have Booker at 9,700. We have Jalen Brunson at 9,700. Brunson's 20% owned and Booker is four. I do not agree with that disparity in ownership in terms of like the logistics of uh, ceiling games and whatever you need. They play comparable minutes, even with Brunson being on a team with multiple dudes out, like Booker is still playing 37 minutes a night. Those guys should be pretty close in ownership and not 20 to four. That sort of disparity starts to make me think like, oh, Booker's a little bit of a pivot if that Brunson ownership holds. Yeah, so we'll, uh, anything else that you think could potentially stand out from the uh, Phoenix Suns? Obviously, the Bradley Beal news is going to be really important. Yeah. But one thing that's going to be uh, nice about Bradley Beal and him being questionable is that if we're going to be getting to a lot of exposure to somebody like Keontae George, well, if Bradley Beal is rolled out, well, then maybe we could pivot some of our Keontae George exposure to potential cheap guys from the Phoenix Suns. But anything else you like sure. from the Suns? No, not really. And this is not a team that I would be expecting to make any real moves for the deadline. They are fresh out of assets and don't exactly like it would be very hard for them to do anything. They don't have really any picks left other than some like really wacky seconds in the deep, deep future. So um, don't expect any weird rotation stuff from Phoenix tonight. All right, guys, that is going to do it from us. If you want to sign for any package, it's stochastic.com, whether it's the lineup generator package or if it's our Sims package, sign up using the link below. It also includes access to our Discord channel. You can ask me questions anytime throughout the day, whether it's general DFS questions or after lock or making late swaps. You could ask me how I'm approaching the slate. So a big thing last night was definitely going to be how we approach that Detroit Pistons news. So Stuff like that happens after lock where we can't be on the YouTube for the, you know, total 24 hours a day, but I'm always available in discord. And anytime you sign up for any stochastic membership, you do get access to that discord channel. You can ask me questions whenever you want. So check out any of our packages using the link we have below. Thank you very much for watching guys. If you haven't done it, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, check out Josh's trade deadline show, which uh, the time of it keeps getting moved up a little bit as each trade goes down. But uh, <laughs> one more time, Josh, tell people what you're going to be doing this afternoon and where they can find you on the uh, trade deadline show. Yeah, uh, Stochastic YouTube channel. I posted a link to the show on my Twitter. I will be going live no later than 1.30, but if we're already getting some deals like this popping up, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up getting pushed up to around 1 o'clock, but I'll probably be going live for two, two and a half hours, something like that, breaking down everything that comes in on the trade deadline. So don't miss it. All right, guys. Once again, thanks you very much for watching. Check out all our content later on the day, and I'll see you then. Peace out.